Well, it's Friday the 10th of March. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Chris Classic here and I'm joined by co-host Shane Lee who's warming up the tonsils. I believe you're going to give a presentation, uh, Shane, to some uh, students eagerly waiting the Lee words of wisdom. Yeah, not sure if it's going to be students. It's going to be more of a, uh, it's a bit of a fundraiser for Scott's College, uh, a, a lunch in the city, because, you know, Scott's College needs some more money. <laughs> <laughs> Another rowing um, shed. But it should be fun. I'm catching up with it with an old mate, um, a former Australian cricketer, a guy called Wayne Phillips, Flipper, who is hilarious. So he's emceeing today, and I'll be going along to tell a few yarns, mate, so it should be fun. There's a name from the past, the old weir keeper. Oh, yes. I wonder what he thinks about India. Today on the show, of course, we'll be talking cricket, the fourth test in India, AFL, NRL, some baseball news, boxing and more. Whether it's for early morning coffee and pastries, long business lunches or post-work cocktails, head to District Brasserie in Sydney CBD. With a modern Australian menu created to hero locally sourced produce and a unique offering of charred meats cooked on a custom-built charcoal oven. Situated on the ground floor of Chifley Tower, District Brasserie is open from 6.30am Monday to Friday for breakfast, lunch and dinner. District Brasserie, sophisticated yet casual. Afternoon sports. Are you thinking about making a podcast? If so... Contact the Afternoon Sport Group. We'll make it easy. With the technical know-how and industry knowledge, we'll get your podcast up and running in no time. Get in touch via our website or email hello at afternoonsport.com. Well, let's talk about uh, cricket first because uh, India and Australia, the fourth and final test. Australia win the toss. They win the day. Usman Khawaja... Well, he's got a big smile on his face after proving a lot of doubters wrong about his ability in the subcontinent. Yeah, look, it's uh, probably the best day of test cricket for any team with the bat in this whole series. Uh, Australia winning the toss and the end of the day four for 255. Um, Head 32, Smith 38, Hancock uh, 17, um, sorry, not Hancock, Hanscom 17, all getting starts. But Kawaja, uh, the Absolute best player of the day, 104 not out, uh, and joined by Cameron Green on 49 not out. Aussies in real good nick uh, after day one of the test, where they said it was probably going to be the worst wicket of the whole series. It turned out to be a pretty good batting wicket. Yeah, it was incredible, wasn't it? I mean, it was played true, and uh, just if you got yourself in, the runs came. What do you make about I mean, they said that Kawaja couldn't play spin. He'd carried the drinks for most tests in the subcontinent. Comes out here and he's the top run scorer of the whole series. Yeah, well, he's, he has performed well of recent times. But, yeah, you're right. At the start of his career, um, he was labelled a guy who couldn't play spin very well. After a pretty poor tour um, back in, I think it was 2010, to England. Um, mm. But, yeah, he, he's performed really well. He performed well over in Pakistan, playing uh, in the country where he was born. Um, and continued that form now. He's got a good 67 first things of last test match um, and followed up with 104 not out. He's done really, really well. How many more do they need, Shane? They need uh, 400, do you think, to bat him out of the game? Yeah, well, 400 won't bat him out of the game on this one. I think it's a pretty good wicket. I'm very worried about uh, Virat Kohli, who hasn't scored any runs at all this series. Um, he, he's going to come yeah. out uh, and prove a few doubters wrong, I think. But, um, yeah, you'd like to see us try and get 400. Uh, saying that, if we lose two quick wickets, you know, we could be all out for 330. Um, but hopefully we can really kick on with this advantage we've got. Well, moving on and kicking on, the Tigers gobble up the world champions. 
in the T20. Bangladesh beating England by six wickets. Yeah, England have um, really come off the boil a bit, particularly in the shorter form of the game. They've um, been playing well in the test match arena. But, uh, yeah, Bangladesh sending England in. Um, England could only manage six for 156. Josh Butler, the highest scorer on 67. And Bangladesh came out and did it pretty easy. Four for 158 uh, to pass them four down. So they've done really well. Well, moving uh, to still a bat and ball theme, but Australia... What a shock this is in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, not uh, really known for our baseball skills, but we've shocked the world. An 8-7 win over South Korea. South Korea, who are a very, very good baseball nation. Um, and this is our only ever our third uh, win in the baseball uh Classic, uh, yeah, they've done well. Uh, Rob Glendinning and Rob Robbie Perkins both hitting uh, three-run home runs uh, to uh, to get Australia home eight seven. It's huge. We now go on to play China on the weekend, followed by Japan and the Czech Republic. So we've got some big games ahead of us, but a huge win for the for the Aussie boys. Well done. I tell you what, Brad Pitt might come knocking with the uh, the money ball, the Oakland A's. It's, uh, <laughs> maybe there's some bargains down under, hey? <laughs> Oh, you never know. Brad Pitt could be hanging out everywhere. He'd probably be buying his own team over there, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. He probably could afford an Aussie baseball side anyway. Uh, look, uh, speaking, not quite Brad Pitt looks, but uh, certainly uh, knows soccer and uh, football uh, through and through. Ange Postacoglu just took charge of his 100th game for Celtic. I don't get involved in many Twitter battles, but I did on when Celtic <laughs> named Ange Postacoglu and everyone was ridiculing him, Shane. I took on uh, uh, Talk Sport and UK and said just because he doesn't scull beers and and uh, throw darts doesn't mean he can't coach. Uh, I, well, this is one of the few times I'm right. Yeah, well, whenever he goes back to Celtic, he's going to be treated with royalty. Um, you're right. Uh, his appointment a few years ago was met with amusement from around the world, particularly locally. Who's this Aussie guy? He can't coach. Well, he's turned Celtic around, as you said, 100 games he's been in charge now, and he's a two-time premiership uh, coach over there. He's now looking for his next big uh, appointment and he wants to go to the APL so he's looking for the right team to go to yeah well one of my very good friends is uh, and I did a bit of commentary with is former Socceroo captain Paul Wade lovely lovely man played with Ange says he's the smartest man he's ever met so uh, so he knows uh, I think too about uh, football just said he read a game on a completely different level to the rest of us so it was evident from uh, his play he did play he was a Socceroo himself people forget how good a player Ange was but uh, yeah kicking goals and uh, hopefully uh, can uh, produce more Aussie coaches a school in Geelong wants to produce more EPL players tell us more about that show well yeah so Liverpool the huge EPL Giant um, have just signed a deal with uh, a school in Geelong, St. Joseph's College, um, to become Liverpool's new academy training base. Now, there's only two others around the world. Um, this is huge, not only for the school, St. Joseph's in Geelong, yeah. but it's huge for football here. It, it really does mean that young kids coming through and talent could be identified by the EPL giant uh, and potentially go and train there. Um, yeah, it, it should really give a boost to young kids because you know, if you're a young footballer in this country, you have to sort of leave like Tim Cahill did. Yeah. His, his, parents, his parents sold their house and he had to go over and live when he was 14, 15 over in, in Europe. This might be a bit more of a, a direct way we can go down to Geelong and potentially be identified.
Yeah, those links are huge. How's the pe- the pressure on the parents are if your son no. or daughter's got a bit of footballing ability? Do I go to the local school or do I go to St Joseph's and have a direct route to Anfield? I think it depends. Uh, I think it depends on your kid, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly right. But uh, I think fees have just gone up an extra grand. I agree. We'll take a break now. Stay with us because we'll be chatting about the AFL, NRL, boxing, and more after the break. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. If you're ready for your next thoroughbred racing adventure, then join the Osher Group. They exceed expectations on what racehorse ownership should look like. Australia's racing industry is enjoying unprecedented growth. Through a strategic, well-managed and data-driven approach, there is now a very real opportunity to build a profitable and sustainable thoroughbred portfolio. Find the Osher Group online at theoshergroup.com. Well, into AFL and uh, the best performed club across the AFL and AFLW competitions are about to receive a million dollars. Somewhat of a club championship has been formed. Yeah, good idea from the AFL. Um, they're combining both the AFL and AFLW. Um, so you get points allocated to your club and to the championships called the McClellan Trophy. Um, and there's a million dollars up for offer. Uh, if this was around last year, the Melbourne Football Club would have won it based on yeah. the current system. Um, and the money will be shared not only by the club, but it'll be shared amongst the players, both the men and the women. So a huge incentive for um, the the club to do well. It's a really good idea too because it brings both the men and the women's football teams within that club together to try and achieve something um, as a total club themselves, which is a really, really good idea. Yeah, the money's not a bad incentive too. It's almost like hitting the Mercantile Mutual sign and trying to take your teammates <laughs> to Las Vegas. <laughs> I shouldn't have shared that. I should have kept that whole lot. Of- <laughs> 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 and this is my chance to get in that uh, congratulations to Manly Warringah, a district cricket club for winning the Sydney Grade Club Championship. Okay, yes. uh, more AFL news. Western Bulldogs player Liam Picken has launched legal action against the AFL. What's he doing? Well, there's been a lot of talk about concussion and potentially class actions all around the world and whether someone will go ahead with uh, that action. Um, Liam Picken, who is the Western Bulldogs Premiership winning player, um, he said he played 198 games for the club, uh, but retired in 2019 due to ongoing concussion symptoms. Uh, And at 36 now, um, he's actually taking on the AFL uh, legally. Uh, and he said, look, he now suffers from uh, photophobia, which is an aversion to bright light, yeah. amongst other things. Um, yeah, but you should see how this goes because it will be a landmark case. If he wins, what will that mean for, for clubs? Will there be other cases coming out of the woodwork? And uh, and what will it mean for kids coming through? Will insurance premiums go through the roof? There's a lot of questions to be answered here. And, uh, yeah, I'll be watching this case very closely. It's a case that's been coming for some time, hasn't yep. it? It's uh, and and that uh, uh, that disease or illness you described is horrific mm. to, to be uh, having 
light sensitive at that age, it's uh, it's really concerning. Yeah, that is certainly one to watch. Uh, the Brisbane Lions, they'll be one to watch in the AFL competition proper. Now, the captain survey has come out. Uh, who will make this year's finals? And it was only Brisbane, which was the guaranteed top eight from all the captains. Well, hey, last week I've tipped Brisbane to win the premiership this year based on the two pre-season matches that I watched. They looked good, sharp. Um, they got a great midfield and some really a lot of power up front. Um, but yeah, they did a captain survey. Uh, they agreed unanimously that uh, Brisbane would be the only team they all agreed that would make the finals. But they also agreed that the Cats were most likely to make the grand final. And they believe that Geelong, Brisbane and Melbourne will make up the three. And they also believe that Clayton Oliver, the the Melbourne midfielder, is the favourite to win the Brownlow, which is no surprise. I thought he probably should have won it last year, but there you go. Yeah, what about your Swannies? I mean, they sort of overperformed, overachieved last year. Can they go uh, and do and go better? Go one better. After the first trial game, I thought, oh, I'm not didn't look good, but they looked fantastic against Carlton. And I was trying to I'm still trying to work out whether the Swans were that good or Carlton were that bad. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, look, they showed some good signs. Uh, it's going to be hard for them to go as well as they did last year and make the grand final. But we'll wait and see. Yeah, well, last year's NRL grand final winners were the Penrith Panthers. They grabbed their first win of the season, and uh, they were pretty good against a strong South Sydney Rabbitohs, 16 points to 10 in Penrith. It probably flattered the scoreline. Uh, South, so better than uh, South, you'd think, for, for large parts of the day, but they almost snuck home. Yeah, Panthers ca- came out of the gates really quick, and uh, this was always going to be a real um, look into how both of these teams were going to go this year, I believe. Uh, I thought yeah. the Rabbits played brilliantly in round one, and, and Panthers yeah. were off. And I actually I felt that the Rabbits were going to win this game, but the Panthers showed why uh, they're back-to-back premiership winners and why they'll still be a threat this year because they looked really, really good early. The Rabbits rallied at the end. The only real negative for the game that um, a guy was thrown, a oh. fan was thrown out for his racial slurs to Latrell Mitchell, which is just not on. Like, I'm glad that they kicked him out. I wonder how much that affected Latrell uh, because he sort of only came alive in the last sort of 12 minutes. He was amazing in the last 12 minutes, but he, he wasn't sort of at the races for most of the game. No, he wasn't. And, and, and this is the, the if you've got any sort of negative towards Latrell Mitchell, because he is a superstar. He, he's a guy that he's oh. a guy that can turn the game on its head at any level from Australia, state of origin, right down to club level. But he's just not always there. And when, when he turns it on, he's he's brilliant. But uh yeah, if if South are gonna win the premiership year, he's gotta be on all year. Yeah, and he he's got that ability. Yep. He just uh he he goes in in waves of four or five games I've noticed over his career where he's just unstoppable. Yep. So you just don't want to get South when he's mm. in that type of mood. Uh, look, Blake Ferguson is a good friend of Latrell. He's calling out the NRL. This is a really interesting one. How long do you give a player after they've retired before you pay their medical bills? Well, this has been the issue that the, the Rugby League Players Association have, have trying to fight in the collective bargaining agreement. The, the big sticky point was that they want players looked after with their medical needs post-career. Now, you're right. How long do they actually treat them? Look, he's just out of the game. He said he had eight broken noses and... That NRL won't pay to have that fixed. Come on. You've broken your nose eight times. He played, must have been 10-plus seasons in the NRL. He was a fantastic ambassador, a really good footballer. They should pay for his nose to get fixed. Come on. Well, I mean, how much would it really be? It would be yeah. it'd be like spare loose change behind the couch, you'd think, for the NRL. Yeah, it's, it's the point, I think, that he's trying to make, and he's called him out, so good, good yeah. on him. Yep, yep, it's uh, certainly certainly going to be, uh, well, enough pressure on social media might get the job done. <laughs> 
Well, two of the uh, the greatest winners in rugby league, the most competitive men, are Wayne Bennett and Ricky Stewart. They've come up this against each other this weekend. This is a really interesting uh, old NRL rivalry. It probably goes back to when Stewart was at the Roosters and they were sounding out Bennett to come across and join the Tricolors, a move that never happened. Uh, <laughs> there'll be no love loss when Canberra take on uh, the new Dolphins. No, and this is typical Ricky Stewart. He, he can hold a grudge, can't he? I don't think Wayne Bennett would even give it a second thought. Um, he just getting on with the job and, and doing his thing. Yeah, Ricky's an angry little man. This is the problem, I think, with Ricky Stewart. Uh, it's, all, it's always about him, not about his team. <laughs> it's always about Ricky Stewart. Get over it, you, you punchy little halfback. <laughs> <laughs> One of the great sledges of all yeah. time, apparently, Ricky Stewart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, apparently Rose one to about ten used to hear every word that Ricky said on a, on a, on a football field. <laughs> uh, Tim Zoo, of course, is up against Tony Harrison. Everyone's been talking Zoo will walk this in, but there's a bit of a, a move late uh, to uh, the uh, the boxers are tipping the American to end the unbeaten streak. Yeah, well, they're trying to obviously rally people to sign up to subscription yeah. to watch to watch <laughs> the fight. Um, Zoo is the bookie's favourite. Well, well and clear um, out in front there. But, uh, yeah, a couple of former um, world champs, uh, an American commentator now, Sean Porter, tipping Harrison actually to defeat Tim Zoo. Whether that's true or not, um, he reckons he's primed for an upset. But uh, I think Zoo's is going to be too classy for him. Yeah, you'd say so. Has he got a knockout punch? I want to see Zoo mm. win one early. I mean, I think he'll if it, if it goes deep, he's got too much technical ability. Yeah, he does. Yep. I'd love yep. to see Zoo end it in two and, and be a world champion. Hey, well, that's all I've got uh, time for. We've all got time for, for afternoon sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you're listening. Of course, a big thank you to our sponsors. Our fantastic sponsors, Elite Bet. If you're having a punt this weekend, download the Elite Bet app and... Uh, Check it out. Fantastic uh, place to have a punt. Tune in to Afternoon Sport next week for your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care. Thanks for listening to Afternoon Sport. If you enjoyed the show, why not check out one of our other podcasts, like Lunch with Lee. Former cricketer Shane Lee talks to celebrities, sports people, musicians, politicians, and more about sports, music, and business. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts or head to afternoonsport.com. Afternoon Sport.